0: Here at this church, and I'm excited to bring the word with you this morning. If you would open up with me to Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6 and 7. This may be a very familiar passage for some of you, maybe for some of you it's less familiar, but we're going to start out uh, this Advent Sunday with this particular uh, passage out of Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. So I'd love for you to open that with me this morning. Uh, It'll also be on the screen. Uh, behind me. So let's uh, flip there. If you've got to use your concordance, got to use the table of contents to find it, that's okay. Um, but we'll take a second and we'll find it and read it here this morning. Isaiah chapter 9 starting in verse 6. This is what it says. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of Hosts will do this. I love that. The zeal of the Lord of Hosts will do that. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Uh, So if you're not familiar with Isaiah, Isaiah was an Israelite prophet back in the Old Testament. Uh, He lived in a time where Israel, the people that God had chosen to carry his message to the world, the people of Israel were surrounded by armies on all sides, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and they lived in a very uncertain and very complicated time. And in the midst of this time, God would send messengers to the people to give them messages of hope and to call them back to repentance. And that's what Isaiah does here in this passage and throughout the book. He's, he's talking about a future deliverance that God was going to give to the people. 3,000 years ago, the people of Israel would have heard this message. They would have gathered around to hear the message of God. Just like we this morning are gathering around here to hear the message of God. They would have gathered around it, and some would have rejected it, but others would have accepted it. They would have heard this message, this, this prophecy of what was to come, and they would have had hope. They would have experienced the glimmer of hope in their hearts as they saw God's going to move, God's going to do something in our lives and in our midst. They would have talked about it with their children. They would have had it up in their household if they could afford it, maybe had it up on their wall. They would have talked about this prophecy of a future one who was going to be born and who was going to turn an upside down world right side up again. They would have talked about this. They would have shared it with their grandchildren. It would have changed the way that they approached living in a world that's very complicated and that's very terrible at times and it's very difficult to live in. This is what this passage, this is what this prophecy would have done with them. The prophecy of Isaiah is a promise of hope that no matter what was going on in their lives, that there was a God who existed and that he was going to deliver them, that he was going to intervene and do something in their lives. You know, I was thinking about us in our modern era in America. I I think we are probably the most technologically advanced society in the history of the world, right? America and in the West and different parts of the world, we are some of the most advanced societies that the world has ever known. I mean, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but right now there's a space war between Boeing and then Elon Musk, right? So he's the guy who's trying to get a mission to Mars. There's a space race between them. We live in the most advanced society in the world. And yet I found a Pew Research poll that found that 73% of Americans believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. 73% believe in this miracle that happened at Christmas. So as futuristic as we are, I think even we tap into this undercurrent of an ancient hope. That we are people who want to believe in hope. We want to trust in God. We want to be delivered by someone beyond ourselves. I think as the world is becoming more and more complicated and more and more uncertain, I think people are drawn to an alternative approach to life, which is a life of faith. We're a faith community because we believe that there is a God who intervenes and who acts in our lives. I think together we're learning how to live in an often confusing and an often complicated world. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're looking at your situation in life and it's very complicated, whatever situation you're going through, maybe there's trouble, maybe there's pain, maybe there's something like that, and and you're hoping against hope that God is there and that he's going to intervene for you, even when everything in your present circumstances says that he's not. I think wrestling with God in your life and wrestling with what he's doing and wrestling with faith and with doubt, that doesn't make you a bad Christian, it just makes you human. We all wrestle with that. We all wrestle with what God is doing in life. Faith is not a silver bullet, as I like to say. It's messy. It's complicated. Things in life present challenges to our faith and what God is doing. I'm going to make a statement today and you may agree with the statement or you may not agree with the statement or you may be doubting the statement or maybe you kind of half believe it but you don't you know all the way you, you, i'm going to throw this out there to you i'm going to see how you respond to the statement he was who he said he was he was who he said he was and for some of you you may hear that and your thought that may come to your mind is uh, i don't really believe he was who he said he was like is he really cuz i'm not seeing it in my own life I'm not seeing the Christmas story unfolding in my own life. Maybe you ask the question, if he was who he said he was, then why did I lose my job? Right, a legit question. If he was who he said he was, then then why am I going through this pain? Or why is there sickness in my family? If he was who he said he was, then why is this happening to me? Where's the hope in my current situation? I think on the one hand, it's difficult for us to live in this phase of life because on the one hand, we have our present circumstances and our present difficulties and our present pain and our present suffering. And on the other hand, we have a God who says that he's good. And I think that faith bridges the gap between those two things. I like to call where we're at in life the messy middle, the messy middle of faith in which we see our present circumstances, but we see a God who says he's going to intervene and deliver us out of them. Faith fills the gap between those two things. The Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, and feel free to open up with there uh, right now, we're about to read it, is written to a people like us to show that there is a God who shows up, that there is a God who intervenes. That's what the Christmas story is going to show us this morning. And in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 and 9, we leave Mary and Joseph, which we talked a little bit about last week. We leave Mary and Joseph, and we go and visit the shepherds. The Christmas story changes scenes, and now we're, we're looking at some Jewish shepherds living in the time of Jesus. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 and 9, let's look at these together this morning. And it says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Let's stop there for a moment. I love this story. I love the Christmas story. I love Christmas. And I love how this story opens. This story opens with some shepherds who were out in the field by night, basically blue-collar guys working the night shift. Is anyone worth the night shift in here? Is anyone work? Okay, we've had a few people who are worth the night shift. I think the best stories come out of the night shift, right? Crazy things happen at night. When I read this story uh, earlier this week, it got me thinking about one of my favorite podcast. Does anyone listen to Lore? Have you heard this podcast before? We've got a few people. This, this, this podcast is about some of the more unusual and strange things that happen. And so this guy goes and interviews people about strange experiences that they had. Check it out if you haven't seen it before. But this story reminds me of Lore, right? Something strange has happened. You've got some shepherds out in the field and all of a sudden angels show up around them. And it says, an angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I think we miss something here often. I certainly missed it before this week. But what were the shepherds doing while the, when the angels came? Just, just throw it out there. What were the shepherds doing? Watching sheep. They were working, right? They were working their job. There you go, John. They were working their job. Blue-collar guys watching the sheep by night. They were doing their job. And Luke seems Luke doesn't put this, but I get the impression that verse nine might as well start with the phrase "all of a sudden," right? Turn to your neighbor and say "all of a sudden." All Turn to your other neighbor and say "all of a sudden." All, all sudden. right, so all of a sudden an angel appeared, right? All of a sudden an angel appeared. I think each one of us experience moments in our life where we experience the all of a sudden. Have you had an all-of-a-sudden moment in your life before? Something unexpected has happened that you were not expecting an all-of-a-sudden moment? I think we all experience these. This is what the shepherds experienced that night. And I think some of our all-of-a-sudden moments in life may seem good, like meeting your future spouse. And then all of a sudden, some all-of-a-sudden moments may be bad, like pain or sickness or a tragedy in your family. We all experience the all-of-a-sudden moments of life. But I think that as we go through our faith journey, and as we try to struggle with what does it look like to be faithful in this world, I think the first thing that we see in this story is that God don't need your invitation. God don't need your invitation. I know what you're thinking. That's not grammatically correct. Uh, That's probably the first thought that you have. You're not grammatically correct. Um, but it preaches better. It's more crunk this way. God don't need your invitation, right? God doesn't, God don't need your invitation and I don't need to do good grammar for you guys, right? So God don't need your invitation. Check this out though. An angel appeared to them, uncalled for, uninvited. They weren't praying out in the fields. They weren't having a seance out in the woods. They were just dudes working their job and it says an angel appeared to them. God doesn't need an invitation to do something in your life. He's not obligated to move in a certain way. He's not obligated to provide a certain solution to your problem. He's not obligated to work consistently in the way that you understand consistency. He's not obligated to work in your life the way he's worked in my life or in my life the way he's worked in your life. God does it the way he's going to do it. When he moves in someone's life, he does it the way he wants to, he does it when he wants to, he does it for the reasons he wants to, and he does it why and in the way that he wants to. God don't need our invitation. And as much as we try to emasculate and domesticate Jesus, he remains untamed. The Christmas story shows that God is going to break through on the scene of your life and in my life when and how he wants to. When you think about it, uh, this story uh, is, comes a few hundred years after the prophecy of Isaiah, right? It comes long after the prophecy of Isaiah. People were waiting around for God to do something, praying and hoping. And then all of a sudden, Jesus busts out on the scene, right? Jesus is unhurried by our prayers. I think with the angels and the glory and the stars of the Christmas story, it reminds us that Jesus is here to shake things up. Amen? Jesus is here to shake things things up. He's here to disrupt our lives. He's here to turn our lives upside down because he's doing something. He's changing us. And we don't always like that, but I think disruption is good. I think disruption in our life and changes happening in our life and events happening in our life are good because they show that God is working. If everything was just the status quo all the time, I'm not sure that we could be sure that God was working in our life. And yet here the Christmas, shows us, the Christmas story shows us that God shows up and he disrupts. I think the Christmas story shows us that God, Jesus, is on the move and he's coming straight for us. God don't need our invitation to move in our life. Look at verse 10. Let's go on through this story. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Man, I love this part too, man. Poor angels. Man, anytime you find angels showing up in the Bible, usually they're met with great fear and people just straight crumple on the ground, right? So I can imagine angels are always showing up and like, man, we got great news for you guys. God's going to do something. And every single time they show up, people drop to the floor. It's like the party crashes, right? Angels show up, they have good news, and the, angel, and the shepherds are in fear. So the angels show up and they tell the shepherds that something has happened. Something good has, has, has happened. Something that's going to affect everybody in the world and it's going to change the game. They say a child has been born. Right? Not just a child, but the child. The Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 child has shown up. And what I love about the angels is that they're smart. They know things, right? The angels are smart. They know things. Like your mom. Your mom is smart. Your mom knows things, right? Angels are smart, and they know things. They know that we humans don't really, are not really good at believing God. We're not really good at believing God's promises. We're not really good at believing God's commands. And so what the angels do is they give them a sign, right? And what was the sign? Someone just throw it out. Anybody? Baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. There you go, you're paying attention. It says baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This was the sign that was given to the shepherds. So as we talk about living a life of faith and what does it look like to be faithful in a world that's unsettling and often different and often complicated, the first thing is we've got to recognize that God does things in his own way. And secondly, we have to realize that in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your problems that you are experiencing right now, this week, that God provides a beacon of hope and a way forward. I think what we see in here, that when God disrupts your life, pay attention to your sign. When God disrupts your life, pay attention to your sign. To your sign, and I'll explain what that means. But first, uh, a quick story. Has anyone done an airport pickup before, like picked up a friend from the airport? You guys, a few people have done. Give them a round of applause because that's like a true uh, friendship. Whenever you do something like that, I had to do an airport pickup the other day, and uh, actually a few months ago. And so you drive to the airport, right? You get to the terminal, and you wait for the person to call you that says they got outside. If you ever done this? This is what you do. You wait in the line, and you've got, like, the security guards, and they're, like, waving you forward and stuff like that. So sometimes I always get there way too early, so i got to circle back around because they're always moving me, right? So I go, and I'm sitting there, and uh, whenever you get a phone call from someone when you're at the airport, the things that you don't want to hear are the words, I'm outside, but I don't see you. Right? You guys ever got these word before? I'm outside, but I don't see you. And you go through this moment like an existential crisis, I think, where you're sort of questioning life, and the the thought comes to your mind, am I at the right airport? (laughs) Right? I mean, that that thought crosses your mind. Most of the time, you're not, but sometimes it crosses through your mind. Am I at the right airport? And you know what makes matters worse? Is when the person you're picking up is the girl that you've been dating for two months and you're really trying to impress her, right? So I'm still on the line with her and she asks me, are, are, are you at Hobby Airport? I wasn't at Hobby Airport. I was at Bush Airport. Um, and if you know anything about Houston, Bush is in North Houston and Hobby is what? South Houston, right? So I'm at Bush Airport and she says, Are you at your Hobby, right? And I respond, I'll be there in 30 minutes, and I hang up, and I start going, right, and I've lived in Houston for about 30 years, right, I've lived here my whole life, and I know Houston traffic, and all that kind of stuff, I have never been in traffic as gnarly as this, it was raining torrential downpour, there was like a trailer tractor fire while I'm there, it was a crazy thing, and on top of all of that, my phone died, and just as a quick aside, I used to have an Android phone, it would always die, I've since moved ...to an iPhone. I've seen the light now, so there we go. Uh, But I had an Android phone and it died, so I'm just off the radar, right? So I'm off the radar and I'm driving... And I guess amidst all the chaos and all the, like, the raining and the traffic and all that stuff, I must have missed the sign for Hobby Airport, right? Because somehow I ended up in Pasadena in a McDonald's parking lot. I don't know how that happened, but that, that's where I ended up. And I'm sitting there. My phone is dead, no charger. And I'm like talking to the staff being like, do you guys know how to get back to Hobby Airport? And they're just like looking at me, right? So... Two hours later, um, I show up at the airport and Sarah is standing there and she had thought that I got in a crash and died. I mean, she had called my sister, she had called my mom, I think, and she was like, man, where, where is James at? I'm really worried about him, right? I still haven't lived that down, but we're getting married next week and so I guess she's not holding it against me. So anyway, so all that to say is I think oftentimes in life, I think that we go through the same issues and the same mistakes that I had. Pay attention to your sign. If you're like me, a lot of times we assume that we're going to the right place just because that's where God has worked before. I assumed that Bush Airport was the right airport just because that's where I always used to pick her up from, was at Bush Airport. But here, it was different. And secondly, on my journey south, I made the mistake of not paying attention to the signs that would have led me to the right airport. You see, Israel and the shepherds were looking for a sign. They had heard in Isaiah that a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, they had heard that this thing was coming, that God was going to do something, and they expected him to do it in a certain way, right? And instead, what they got was a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I think some of us need to recognize that God speaks in unusual ways sometimes in life. And we're expecting him to speak in one way and he speaks in another way. And, and some of us need to recognize that God speaks in many different ways. And sometimes the sign is big, like losing your job. And sometimes the sign is small, like a sermon or a, a chapter of the Bible or maybe counsel from a friend. We need to pay attention to the signs that God is giving us that move us to the next stage of our life. God always provides a way forward. His job is to move, and our job is to watch. Check out verses uh, 13 through 16. It says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. And with the angels went away with them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So I love this, right? You get the story. Angel appears. Glory of the Lord shines around them. They fall down in great fear. The angel gives them the message that the baby has been born. Peace is going to be on earth. God has intervened finally. He's going to deliver people. And then the angels break out in like an angelic choir, right? I mean, this is like first row seats, hill songs, something like that. They break out a multitude of angels. And I'm not sure if that means like ten angels, probably not. Maybe a thousand angels, maybe a million. I don't even know, but a multitude of angels show up and they're just praising God, right? That's the only reason these other angels showed up. You only need one person to tell the message, but a multitude comes to exclaim and to exalt God in what he's doing. And I missed something in this passage the first time that I read it. Actually, many times that I read it. I read the same passage every single year. It's amazing how you find new things in it. I missed this the last time that I read it. But the angels never tell them to do anything. They don't tell them to go. They don't tell them to do anything. They just say, God has done this thing. Here's the sign. And then they have a great big like chorus. And then they chunk deuce, right? They're gone. And the shepherds are just left all alone. It was the shepherds who said, come. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has done. It was their faith that drove them to go. Faith drives you to be near Jesus wherever he is. Faith drives you to be near Jesus wherever he is. Faith drove the shepherds to Bethlehem where Jesus was. In the midst, and the lesson for us this morning, that in the midst of the chaos of our lives, in the midst of the chaos of the season and maybe crazy, terrible things that are going on in your life, I think the thing that we have to see here is to go to your Bethlehem. I love that phrase. Turn your neighbor and say, go to your Bethlehem. Now say it to your other neighbor, with a little more excitement. There we go. Go to your Bethlehem. You see, the shepherds went to Jesus. The shepherds, their faith drove them to be near Jesus. And I don't know what your situation is in life, and I don't know what you're going through in life. We are probably all going through something in life, in our family, at our job, in our finances, something that is crazy and that requires faith. And in the midst of all this, I think the Christmas story is saying, go to him. Go to him in prayer. Go to him in faith. I think that God is calling us out of the wilderness, each and every one of us, to go to our Bethlehem in this season. God has moved. We have the signs, and it's time for us to act in obedience. Some of us need to realize that we don't need another sign. You don't need another sign to tell you what to do next in life. You don't need another sign, you don't need another pros and cons list, you don't need to think it over anymore, you don't need to get any more counsel. You just need to obey the place where God is telling you to go. You need to obey the Lord and what he's telling you to do. And I'm not sure what that is for you in your season, I can think of things in my own life that I need to do next in this season. But maybe for you, your Bethlehem is repentance. This is certainly what it is for me. Maybe there are things in your life in which you are not allowing the Christmas story to break through and to change and to shine and to light over. And maybe your Bethlehem is repentance. Of that thing in your life this season that is not allowing you to see the wonder of the Christmas story that is pulling you away from God, your Bethlehem is to come back to him and to allow the Christmas story to break into your heart and into that area of your life where you're not allowing him to move Maybe repentance is your Bethlehem. Whatever it is for you, Christmas beckons us to move away from the mundane and to move toward Jesus. God is moving, and we are called to be people of faith. So why? Because one of your pastors, I just encourage you to be people of faith, not hopeless people not people who don't recognize that God is doing something in the world, that Christmas means that he's done something and he continues to do something, that this is not just a story that happened 2,000 years ago and we kind of dust it off every single December 25th, but that instead we recognize that the power that is in this story breaks through into our own lives for today and for the here and now. Go to your Bethlehem this season. Look at verses 17 through 20. It says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. You see, after Jesus came, Mary... Joseph and the shepherds and the family, everyone who encountered him was uncategorically and irreversibly changed. They were altered. They were disrupted. They were different than when they first came to him. And even though the shepherds came and went back to their jobs, they came and they left as changed people, right? They left glorifying and praising God. They left the Christmas story, but the Christmas story didn't leave them. It stayed with them through their lives. And I'm sure they told the people around them and the other shepherds and their families. They said something has happened and it has happened in the world. Christmas is a reminder that God is doing something. And I hope that this Christmas season that you do maintain that hope. That you do maintain the joy of the season. So as we draw to a close this morning, I, I kind of have to admit something uh, embarrassing. Has anyone ever sent an email where you like weren't quite done and you sent it too soon? Am I the only one stupid enough to do that? Thank you for admitting that with me. Yes, I've done that a few jo- times. In my job before, the thing that I would always do is I would like not send the attachment. You know, I'm like, oh, it's attached, and then it's like not attached, and then you got to be like attached now you know like attached it like it's on a chain of like 20 people you know that always happens to me right so i i i i think uh, i left a verse off here and uh in your bulletin you may notice that i put luke chapter 2 verses um i forgot it was like maybe 8 through 20 or something like that and i left off verse 21 and that was totally my bad, and I wasn't going to add it on in the sermon at first. But then I recognized that, man, this is a really important verse to the story. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to verse 21, and I want you to see this as the attachment to the story. And this is a really, really important attachment to this story, and I think it has an amazing truth for us this morning. Let's read Luke chapter 2, verse 21. It says, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. It says, the name the angel gave to Jesus. The name God gave to Jesus when he was born on earth. Mary and Joseph didn't name him, God did. And you know what Jesus means in the Hebrew? It means Yeshua, God saves. That was the name that God gave to Jesus when he was born on earth. Don't miss the point of the story. I think the Christmas story is setting everything up to prove that he was who he said he was. The Christmas story proves that what Jesus does later in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, that it's true and that it's for us. We need the Christmas story just as much as we need the death and the resurrection of Christ. He was who he said he was. Turn to your neighbor and say, he was who he said he was. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I am who he says I am. Right? If he was who he said he was, then I am who he says I am. That's the point of the Christmas story is that it proves that he was who he said he was. So he's called Yeshua God saves. He's called Wonderful Counselor. He's called Prince of Peace. He's called Mighty God. And what are we called? You are called forgiven. You are called saints. You are called holy. You are called children of God. You are called friend of Christ. What I love about the Christmas story is that it doesn't wrap everything up in a little bow. Right? Jesus is born, the shepherds go away, and nothing else happens after that. Nothing else happens for many, many, many years later when Jesus begins his earthly ministry. Faith is something that we have to live over the course of our lives. God doesn't solve our problem just like right there. I think the Christmas story shows us that it's just the beginning. And that whatever you're going through in life, and whatever I'm going through in life, it's just the beginning of what God is doing. So my encouragement for you as a pastor is to remember that we are people of hope. And the Christmas season draws that out in us and it calls us to be a community of people who live by faith in the midst of difficult and uncertain times. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to see the point of this story. that God is doing something. That he provides a way forward for us. That he allows us to live in it and he allows us to have the strength to move forward. So I am going to pray over us at this time. So I'd ask you to bow your heads with me. As I pray for us as a faith community. A community that's going to celebrate the Advent and Christmas season with faith and with hope and with joy and with love. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he's done. I thank you for the manger. I thank you for the heavenly chorus of angels. I thank you for the shepherds and for people of faith who have to experience this life just like we have to experience it, Lord, not knowing what happens next, but recognizing what you're doing in the moment. I pray for the people in this room, Lord, for these people who are struggling with faith, who are struggling with what's happening in the midst of their lives, Lord, and the chaos and with sickness and with death of family members and with this crazy year that's happened with Harvey and snow and and different things, Lord, I just pray that in the midst of all this, we might be a people who hold on to hope, that we might be people who hold on to the Christmas story, that even though Christmas is going to come and go, that the Christmas story would stay with us, that we might live in the messy middle of life be with them, Lord. Forgive us where we fail you. Give us a beacon of hope to press on to the future until the day that you return. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.